0: Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills all the time. And now Matt Bovee and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo.
1: All right, raise your hand if you saw that coming from the Bills, the way they manhandled the Cowboys and won by that much. All right, put your hands down, everybody, me, you, everybody out there. Nobody <laughs> saw that coming. Incredible, dominant performance by the Buffalo Bills, 38-10. to 10. Over the Dallas Cowboys should have been 38 to 3. The Bills, I'm sorry, 31. 31 to 10 should have been 31 to 3. The Bills pulled their starters late, but we're here to talk about it. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove, it's always game day in Buffalo. Just a resounding physical dominant win, Matt. And again, I'll say 31 to 10, the final score.
0: I don't want to go too big picture here, but I'll say this. But you will I will. The team we watched on Sunday afternoon is good enough to win a Super Bowl. Now, oh, yeah. w- when I say that, there's also a chance they missed the playoffs because they dug themselves into a little bit of a hole. They now are once again in a spot where they kind of control their destiny because of this win. If they win out, they will be in the playoffs. If they win oh, two yeah. of three, it's probably a 50-50 shot, and you're going to need some help from around the, you know, the AFC. But a huge, massive win – They have now proven in back-to-back weeks that they can beat the big dogs in the league, and I know the Chiefs aren't clicking at the same rate that they have been in years past, but the Cowboys are. They just destroyed the Eagles. It was a super emotional win for them, and the Bills had them come to town, and the Bills punched them in the mouth. They dominated this game on both sides of the ball. I know the Cowboys are not as good on the road or even close to as good as they are at home, but they were 10-3 and three and had yeah. maybe the highest scoring offense in the NFL. They did. The they Bills they, they had the them. number one sc- scoring offense in the NFL coming into the game. This is the best game for the Bills defense all year, and the Cowbo- or the Dolphins game week four and this are the two times where it's like, wow, this defense is for real, and to think they did it without Micah Hyde and then, obviously, Matt Milano, Trey White, Daquan Jones, like they are really getting the most out of some of the guys. That AJ Panessa didn't play this game H- No AJ Finesa. They're, they're, they look good on both sides of the ball.
1: All right, so you open it up and want to start with the defense then since you started on the defensive side. We can start there because either way, it would be great. It was a dominant defensive performance, mm-hmm. um, really great game plan by the coaches. Um, they knew exactly what to take away mm-hmm. from the – Dallas Cowboys and on that side of the ball the Bills all year Matt have been very good at taking away opposing teams number one wideouts you look in Tough. Devontae Adams didn't do anything against them um, mm-hmm. AJ Brown didn't do anything against them Travis Kelsey didn't do anything against them yeah you get a few yards maybe you get a touchdown but overall the volume just well below Tyree Kill really doesn't use you do much against the Bills defense you know the way that they defend them and in this one CeeDee Lamb Did nothing. Seven catches, 53 yards. You're like, okay, seven catches. Listen, three for 15 were on the final drive when the Bills put in their backups, and it was Mm -hmm. garbage time. So really, four catches for 38 yards for CeeDee Lamb, and the Bills just shut down everything the Dallas Cowboys wanted to do. Dak Prescott came into the game as either the one or two favorite for the NFL MVP, and the Bills completely smothered him and won up front. That was a really big deal.
0: I mean... Is there a chance Josh climbs his way back into the MVP race? He probably doesn't, but he's got to be in the conversation, right? Now,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But if he would have had a like a 300-yard game and they do this today, he might be the leader or him next yeah. to Brock Purdy. But he didn't even throw for 100 yards. So, yeah, I think he might – maybe pass passes Dak, maybe not, because they're, but their record's holding them back from being the ultimate guy. But sure, probably. maybe. But the bottom line is, sticking on the defense here, a great game plan, a great game, great execution – you know somebody who doesn't get enough credit and I want to give him credit? Bobby Babich. Okay. What he's done with these linebackers yeah. since losing Matt Milano mm-hmm. to Terrell Bernard's had a great year anyway. Awesome. And now you throw in Tyrell Dodson is playing way better now than he was early in way the season.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Dorian Williams makes a play or two when he sees the field. They've had, they've made a little bit of a change there. They put Baelin Specter on the field on certain situations in this game. Matt, I, I mean like Give the coaching staff credit. Give um, Bobby Babich credit, but of course, give the players credit. Dominant defensive, defensive performance. Greg Rousseau, the defensive line. They really you know manhandled the Cowboys' offensive line.
0: Greg Rousseau, Leonard Floyd. Ed Oliver, when Ed Oliver got his new contract, there were a lot of people who thought the Bills gave him too much money. Now it's a bargain because he is a game wrecker. Leonard Floyd, somehow that guy was available in June, and the Bills were able to go get him, pass his 10 sacks, new career high for him at 10.5 sacks. That also kicked in a million-dollar bonus. So probably the only person having a better night than James Cook is Leonard Floyd Ah. because he just got a lot richer. So, I mean, you just look at the production that they're getting. Greg Rousseau is contributing both in the pass rush, but he's also an elite run defender for somebody at his position. Like They just have a lot of guys on that side of the ball. I mean, Von Miller still really has not... He had one play where he probably would have got to the quarterback for a sack, but Jordan Phillips got there a split second sooner, so he doesn't show up on the stat, seat, stat sheet, but he still like really has not started to contribute. So it, it just makes you wonder... It's very clear that he is not even half of the player he once was before this injury, but it makes you wonder if eventually he does make that splash play, and what if they start getting those in addition to the people that they have? So, yeah, I just think defensively, I mean, Russell Douglas, Christian Benford had an interception today. The corners did a really nice job. They didn't have Micah Hyde, and they still didn't really get beat over the top. I mean, Dak tried him on their first offensive drive, and he out-threw, I believe, Brandon Cooks. And then after that, they really didn't take any shots down the field. So just defensively, this one was a Sean McDermott-like signature win in how good the defense looked.
1: Yeah, I believe the Cowboys, um, the last four weeks, they've had like a bunch of plays over 20 yards. They had yeah. one, no play, no plays over 20 yards in this game. None. Their longest play was a 20-yarder, but it was actually only five yards. It was 20 because officially they get 15 on the unnecessary roughness on Tyrell Dodson. Mm-hmm. Cowboys had zero plays that went over 20 yards in this game, which is amazing. The other guy I want to bring up here, we talked about all these starters and all these guys who played so well, and you're right, Taron Johnson was incredible. How about his backup, who's also the backup safety, Cam Lewis? Cam Lewis comes in and just makes plays. Every time this guy's in the field, he makes solid plays.
0: Yeah, I just think that they have so much depth at so many different levels. And what's that quote? Depth is a good thing until you need it. And I think that that's usually pretty true. But at the same time, it feels like the depth is now starting to get comfortable in the roles that they have to play. I don't think that has been the case for the majority of this season, but it feels like now it is. There was a very noticeable drop once you lost Daquan Jones, once you lost Milano, once you lost Trey White. Well, now the guys who have had to step up into those roles are playing as good as they have played, and it's still not as good as it would be if you had a fully healthy unit, but it's much closer to the defense we saw give up only 20 points to the Dolphins as opposed to the team we saw give up a last-minute touchdown to the Patriots or let the Broncos march down the field at the end of the game. Like I would like to think that this defense, given in those situations, would not even be in those situations because they would get that team off the field, they would make a big stop, they would make a big play. So, yeah, I, I just think that it's really impressive what they've been able to do with all of the pieces that they have missing.
1: Well, let's flip it around and talk about the dominant performance by the offense, especially in the run game. All right, I was going to say two words, Matt beauvais here. Ready, James Cook. Okay. Go ahead.
0: I, I mean, it was it was unbelievable. It was do, dominant. Is, doesn't was even good. dominant doesn't do it justice. I loved the way that Ed Oliver put it. I asked Ed and Greg Rousseau after the game just because you know they've got a front row seat on the sideline. What did you see from your vantage point? And Ed Oliver, I loved what he said. He was like, it felt like every play was the same thing. James Cook, ten yard gain. James Cook, 10 yard gain. James Cook, 10 yard gain. I saw I saw a post from somebody that said if you took out James Cook's two longest runs, he still averaged more than six yards a carry, like six point two yards a carry. And then when you also see what he did in the passing game, what do you have like 220 combined total yards or something? 222? 221. Yeah. Like that's absurd. I mean, that's a historically good game. It's the first time somebody has had that for the Bills since what two thousand nine.
1: Yeah, and it's the first time I believe. Could be wrong here. I was listening to the post game on our um, our station WGR Sports Radio five hundred and fifteen. I believe Bulldog said it's the first time since Thurman Thomas in the nineties someone had over two hundred total yards for the Bills and included a rushing and receiving TD.
0: Okay, that sounds right. I think the last time a Bills running back had gone over two hundred yards rushing was Fred Jackson in the last game of the was that no no no? He didn't do the whole touchdown receiving, rushing touchdown. No no so, yeah, no. I mean, James Cook didn't have two hundred yards rushing though. He had no I, no total. I know. I'm just I'm just saying like he was so close to that that it started. Oh to, yeah. I heard people talking about that stat not because yet. it was like oh it might get to that point, but that happened because Fred Jackson was on the verge of a thousand yards and they fed him the ball so he could actually oh, yeah. get past a thousand yards. Like that's not what was happening for James Cook. He was just so efficient in this game, and I think the most impressive thing about it was. Everybody knew he was getting the ball. They just kept going and going and going to him, and he just kept getting chunk plays, six yards, seven yards, five yards. It it never felt like they could. So kudos to him, but also kudos to the line because some of the lanes that they were making for him were pretty ridiculous. You're right.
1: You're right. I mean, the offensive line was terrific in this game, the way that they you know, just dominated up front. And let's think about this for a second, okay? Micah Parsons, I understand he's mostly, like, used like his, his big thing is he's a pass rusher, but he's on the field a lot because he's great. He plays great in every area. He really puts up the pass rush numbers. Micah Parsons in this game, two assisted tackles, zero solo tackles, zero sacks, zero tackles for loss, zero quarterback hurries. I mean, you talk about doing a job on the other team's best player. We just talked about how they covered CeeDee Lamb. I mean... The job they did, at Micah Parsons, was awesome. That's the offensive line. That's yeah. offensive coordinator Joe Brady. That's offensive line coach Aaron Cromer. I mean, the communication to be able to, you know, know where he is on every play is is the first part. But then it's the execution, and he did nothing in this game. Offensive line was completely dominant. James Cook's vision and well, his burst is amazing. But yeah. I think his his vision, his vision and his patience are just incredible to me when he knows when to speed up, he knows when to slow down, he knows yeah. where and when to move his body. It's it's pretty awesome to watch.
0: To me it's his balance. Like yeah what he can do when he is off balance and still move forward, get some extra yards. I think a good example of it is the second touchdown he had, the long rushing touchdown, where he kind of gets clipped low, but he's able to stay on his feet and then get the yards after contact. And it's not the yards after contact that I think most people probably think of. When you hear yards after contact, most people think like a guy plowing somebody over and falling forward and getting two or three more yards. For somebody like James Cook, it's like him getting hit and – having the awareness and the elusiveness to kind of stay on his feet and continue to kind of use that momentum to move forward. It's he's contact just a really yeah contact balance. I mean he's a really elusive, shifty guy. James Cook has become their like the guy. I mean he's averaging like five point one yards a carry. He's about to hit a thousand yards. He's a, certainly a threat in the passing game, more so than they have had probably since LaShawn McCoy. So he kind of checks all the boxes He'll never be, at least I don't think, probably never be a goal line guy. He's going to be somebody, if you have in fantasy football, there's going to be times when you get frustrated because he might not get those short yardage situations. Right now they bring in Latavius Murray or they use Josh Allen or they bring in Ty Johnson for those. But it is very clear he has emerged and kind of proven that he will be the feature back on this team. And that's not only exciting in the short term, but also exciting in the long term because you have him for two more years on an incredibly cost-controlled contract for a team that needs playmakers offensively.
1: Yeah, because obviously you're paying Josh Allen a big number now after his rookie year, and now Mm -hmm. you have to find other ways to win. And listen, that's what they did because, you know, I mean, what I mean by that is you you can't always rely on Josh. And in this game, he had less than 100 yards passing. This is not an indictment on Josh Allen. He had like four drops, basically. What I'm saying is it says a lot about this team, and it's scary for the rest of the league. The rest of the AFC, especially to see Josh Allen throw for less than 100 yards and the Bills to put up 31 on the Dallas Cowboys and win. Did
0: Did you know that he's yeah. averaging in his career 5.3 yards a carry? Uh, James, oh, James! Oh, I knew he
1: was, I knew he's over James five Cook? because he's always yeah. He finished Matt if he would have had 18 more rushes last year. I think it was 11 more rushes. If he would have had 11 more rushes, he would have been the number one running back in yards per carry last year in the entire league.
0: Yeah, he's just. He's dynamic. I think that's the right word to use for him is dynamic. And I'm sorry to go off of your point. But yeah, if you would have told anybody before this game that Josh Allen was going to finish with the day that he had just the stat line, maybe not the two touchdowns, but this is how many passes and this is how many yards I would have absolutely thought the Bills just got their doors blown off. I would have never thought that they committed to the run as much as they did in this game. But to their, I mean, this is exactly the conversation we had with Brian before the game from Dallas. You know, Brian brought us. He came and joined us on our last podcast. And we said, what do you have to do to win the game? What do the Bills have to do to win the game? And he said, they have to dominate the line of scrimmage and run the ball. And if you can keep the Cowboys kind of in a close game and not let them get ahead, then that's when you can beat them. The Bills jumped out of the gate early and never even let them get within striking distance. That's right. The thing that was so impressive to me was like, I talked about how everybody knew James Cook was going to run the ball. At the beginning of the second half, the Bills' defense gets a really big stop. They force a punt and then they go 15 plays down the field. It was an eight and a half minute drive. James yes. Cook had his one lone mistake of the day dropping a ball, what probably would have put him in the end zone. But at that point, it was made it from 21 to three to 24 to three. And that was like, okay, they're going to win this game. Like they are not letting the Cowboys come back. They just took basically the entire third quarter off of the clock. And you know, you've just sealed the game. So that's always, that's always impressive when you can have success, even when everybody, including your opponent knows what you're trying to do.
1: Yeah. 12 plays, 72 yards, 11 plays, 71, 11 plays, 61, 15 plays, 65 yards, six plays, 62 yards. These drives were incredible what the Bills did. They held the ball for over 35 minutes. It wasn't always rainbows, though, for the offense. Stephon Diggs had an amazing one-handed catch. He also dropped early on in the game, and he only caught four balls for 48 yards. He also had zero catches once again for Gabe Davis, and Dalton Kincaid had two very uncharacteristic drops as only two targets of the game. So it wasn't all perfect for the Bills, but that's its kind of, in a way, a good thing, right? Because, again, they didn't have to be perfect. They weren't perfect, and they still won this game by dominating now, a lot of times this year they make one or two critical mistakes and that's what cost them the game Matt in this one they made a few mistakes and it didn't matter because they played so well
0: no it's one of those like pick your poison right if you're a defense going up against the Bills everybody always says you try and take away what the other team is best at, right? So if you're the bills and you are getting ready to play them and you're, excuse me, or if you're an opponent and you're getting ready to play the bills, most people are going to say their best player is Josh Allen and their second best player, is Stefan Diggs. We are going to make sure that those guys do not beat us. Now the bills are proving that if you do that, they will have success running the ball and then periodically take chances down the field and try and take shots and just, you know, kind of keep you honest or, If you're, let's say, the Chargers, for example, and you're like, man, James Cook just had 221 all-purpose yards, we need to make sure that we do not let that guy take over a game. Guess what? That's going to lead to favorable matchups for guys like Gabe Davis and Dalton Kincaid. Stephon Diggs is always going to garner the attention. But in a game like today, I don't even really make much of all of the other guys because this was very clearly... I don't even know if it was the game plan, but it's what they shifted to. And that's why I'm like, no, it's not a big – like. I don't think there's anything wrong with – I mean, Gabe Davis had one target to never catch. Dalton Kincaid, two targets, no catch. Khalil Shakir, one target. I mean, Josh threw the ball 15 times. He had seven completions. It's not a surprise that there's guys who are not on the stat sheet. He only completed seven passes. And four of them were to digs. Two of them – I mean, three players caught passes in this game for the Bills. Think about that three different players.
1: That's it. I mean, yeah, Josh Allen's stat line was not very good from a stat line perspective. 7 of 15, 94 yards. He had a quarterback rating of 89.3, but he didn't turn the ball over. The Bills didn't turn the ball over. That was a big deal, Matt. They didn't turn the ball over in this game. The Bills got to Dak Prescott on a turnover. They should have had a couple. A couple were dropped, but Christian Benford did. Dak Prescott only 21 of 34 for just 134 yards. A lot of that in the very ending of garbage time. A rating of 57.7. But not turning the ball over was a big deal for the Bills, and they did win the turnover battle with their own interception.
0: Yeah, but I will say this. Like, you look at the stat line, and this is so, like, it doesn't matter because they won the game so much. 7-15, he probably should have been 10-15. They had three drops. Kincaid had two drops, and Diggs had a drop. So... If it's 10 of 15, that's 66% completion percentage. I don't think anybody's like, oh my, not that anybody's going to. Tomorrow morning, you're going to turn on the talk shows. You're going to turn on the national, whatever. Actually, by the time you're listening to this, this probably already all happened. Nobody's talking about Josh Allen having a bad game. Nobody's talking about Josh Allen having a good game. They're talking about, hey, look, the Bills found a way to beat a team that a lot of people thought was one of the best in the NFL. And I think now the Bills have kind of reminded everybody of like, hey, look, we're still around the the thing that I thought of a lot today before the game was how the last time the bills played the Cowboys it was like their arrival that was in 2019 on Thanksgiving and it felt like that's kind of when they burst onto the national stage of being like a very legitimate team in this league and I think once again against the Cowboys they kind of proved to everybody that they are still here like they're still a team that you do not want to see in the play if you're any of those teams in the playoffs, you were really hoping. The Bills do not make it because you would be terrified to play the Bills compared to the Colts or the Texans or the Steelers or the Browns. Like, like you, you want nothing to do with the Bills, and that's why I said at the beginning of the pod, like I really think if they get in, they could go on a run
1: for sure, no doubt about it. The Bills with a dominating win in this game. It's good segue into talking about what happened around the league, and let's answer some of your questions here on the pod. All right, so let's start, Matt, with the Bills didn't get a lot of help on Sunday. They got a little bit of help on Saturday. Some nice help from Detroit beating Denver. Needed that. Mm -hmm. But Minnesota could have really helped by beating Cincinnati. They blew it. And then Pittsburgh losing to Indy. Indy winning, probably not a great result for the Bills. But as long as the Bills keep winning, it won't matter any of this. They did Mm -hmm. jump a couple of teams because of it. But then on Sunday, Chicago can't close out Cleveland. Cleveland wins. And the Titans can't close out the Texans. The Texans win. So the Bills are still on the outside looking in, but it's getting more favorable. It's looking better. They do go to LA next week to play the Chargers. It's a Saturday night game. Right now, it's looking a lot better than it did, obviously. And the Bills are in very good position to put themselves in position, not only to make the playoffs, but maybe even challenge Miami for the division in week 18.
0: Yeah. Well, there's a lot of layers to this, right? So, Let's first talk about the division and then we can talk about the wild card. If Miami loses one of their next two games and the Bills win their next two games, they will have a chance to win the division in the final week of the season and then host a playoff game. If you were the Bills, you know, I think you're probably hopeful that the Dolphins lose both of their games and you win both of those your games but it still wouldn't matter because it would still come down to the last week of the season right no matter what for the division whether the Dolphins win one or two if the Bills win the next two and the Dolphins lose one or two it'll still come down to the last one because if the Dolphins win then they would still have the tiebreaker right
1: um if the Dolphins win two they they
0: the Bills can't catch them, is that what you're asking? No, I'm saying if the Dolphins lose their next two games. Go ahead, yes. And the Bills oh, that's correct. Win, win their win next one. two games. Win
1: one. That's correct, because, yes, that's exactly right. Then it wouldn't matter, basically.
0: So, so it, there's like no scenario, really, unless the Bills lose their next two games where Week 18 won't matter, right? I believe that's correct, yes. Okay. So for the Bills, you or need unless, Dallas. Or
1: Dallas. Or if the Dolphins win their next two games, that, that yeah. wouldn't
0: matter. If you the division, are a Bills fan, listening to this, you now need to go from rooting against Dallas to really rooting for Dallas. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. now they play the Dolphins. And I don't know about you, but I would not want to get this team after they got embarrassed this week. So- oh, no. And,
1: and listen, the, the Dolphins, Dolphins are a better matchup for Dallas than the Bills are. They're a because mm-hmm. the, the, Dolph the Dolphins are going to try and throw the ball. They're not going to try and be this powerful team to beat them up front. Mm-hmm. They're going to try and throw the ball on them. The, st- the Cowboys have they play a lot of dime. They're very fast pass rush. I think this is a tougher matchup for Miami than it is for Buffalo, considering what we just saw out of Buffalo and how they handled them. Dallas yeah. matches up much better against Miami because of their styles.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, and it's back to back games that are really tough for Miami. So right. you've got they've got Dallas Baltimore. and then they've got Baltimore. Dallas is playing for. A chance at the one seed in the NFC Baltimore is playing for a chance at the one seed in the AFC so you need the Dolphins to lose one of those games and then if the Bills take care of their own business they still have a chance at winning the division with a win in week 18 if the Bills win their next two games but then lose to the Dolphins in week 18 It is about a 50-50 chance that they get into the playoffs, according to the New York Times playoff predictor. The thing that really kind of hurts the Bills is that they don't have tiebreakers against teams like the Broncos, against the Bengals, against some of the teams that they're chasing. So you just really are rooting for those teams to kind of lose, just to give yourselves multiple. What you want is, first off, just to win out if the Bills went out there going to the playoffs and they're probably even hosting a playoff game, you just want to give yourself options. You want to give yourself like a kind of a backdoor way of getting into the playoffs. If for some reason you lose one of the games, because my, like Miami I, I'm higher on Miami than everybody. It feels like, and I know I've been for like a year and a half. I just don't love the, it, it's basically a playoff game before the playoffs. So just, well, it yourself- also could happen.
1: That is in this scenario we're talking about. It could very well be a, a rematch in week nineteen. The Bills could play the Dolphins Shh. in week eighteen and then they could play each other again in week nineteen. It's very it's it's becoming more and more likely as you go on here.
0: Well, how, but how? Because if the Bills don't get in as the I, I guess it depends who wins the division. Because if the Bills right get in but don't win the division, they'll probably be the seventh seed. So they'll probably be going on the road to whoever's like two. And I don't think that'll be Miami. So, I, I, I guess you're right. I, I don't know. There's so many different things that could happen in this whole scenario. But at the well, end I, of the day... I also
1: I disagree with the 50% that the New York Times or the ESPN playoff machine, those are they're not predictive analysis over the next few weeks. They're just saying how the math works right now between what the yeah. records would be. To me, mm-hmm. if the Bills win two out of three, they're getting in. I, I, you would have to have, of the, of the one, two, three, four teams in front of them, Like you'd have to have most of them go basically... Two and one, and that's not going to happen. You are going to get some losses in there. Some teams are playing each other, so I think to win the next two, I think you are almost. To me, the way I look at it, just look at the schedule. I think you are almost going to someone have to really go wrong for you to get it to not be in.
0: So, who do you think are the biggest threats for the Bills right now? The Texans and the
1: Bengals. No, well, the Browns are probably going to make it. So at least two
0: spots. At least two spots. So this upcoming week, the Bengals and the Colts. OK, so this upcoming week, the because of their schedules, by the way, the Bengals play the Steelers. The Steelers stink, so yes. they're probably going to win. The Colts play the Falcons on the road in Atlanta. I don't think the Falcons are very good either, but, but they but are still in the, look mix.
1: At the totality of, of the schedules here for the Colts sure. schedule isn't that hard. But they no. do. But the But the Texans and Colts play each other week 18.
0: Yes, exactly. And so. the and in the next week in week 17, the week that the Bills host the Patriots, the Chiefs host the Bengals. So right. that week you are a Chiefs fan and you are just hoping that the Chiefs beat the Bengals and then the Raiders are playing the Colts so they're, you know, a team that's certainly in the mix. And then the last week of the season, the Browns are playing the Bengals. So, once again, you were rooting for the Browns in that scenario, and the Colts and the Texans, like you said, play each other. So, who the heck knows what's going to happen there? And then, after that, is there really any other teams that would be like certainly in the mix? The Broncos and Raiders. You need the Broncos. The Broncos,
1: Broncos, yeah. And the Broncos schedule is not all that difficult, to be quite honest.
0: No, the Broncos schedule is that's the one that I think you're scared of because they would have the tiebreaker if you were both 10 and 7. If you both. If you lose once and then they win out, they would leapfrog you. So you need the Broncos right. also to slip up. But all of this is null and void if you win out. If the Bills win out. It's all That's null right. and void. They're getting into the playoffs, and they're probably, honestly, even hosting a game, and they would be maybe the most dangerous team in the AFC. All
1: right, let's get to a couple of questions here. People wrote in. We tweeted out uh-huh. if you want to ask us questions. I really like this one. I actually thought about this one. This is from Chris. Okay. Favorite Brandon Bean edition this year. So instead of favorite, I'll just switch her out and say, which was the best. best, most important, and the best, how they went about it, what they did? Rasul Douglas, Leonard Floyd, Connor McGovern, Osir- or Osiris Torrance?
0: I will say short term Leonard Floyd, long term Osiris Torrance, just because I think the impact of having a solid guard for the next four years will be really, really valuable for this team. I mean, you can say the same thing about Connor. McG- they're all very exactly. solid. They're yeah, all very I'm solid. Surprised.
1: I'm surprised, though. Like, I'm not surprised, I guess. But I like what you're saying. You're not wrong. But, I mean, heck, Russell Douglas could be both long-term and short-term. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's,
0: He's under contract right. for
1: a couple of years, right? This year and next year, I think it is? Russell Douglas is under contract yes.
0: for this year and next year, yeah.
1: Yeah. And, um, well... But I would say, to answer this question, I thought about it in this way. What was more impactful and, and bigger and smarter or whatever, Russell Douglas or Leonard Floyd? I think it's a tough one, but probably <coughs> Leonard Floyd because you didn't get the season you thought you would from Von Miller coming back.
0: Probably, but you, he's, also, he's got, you also got Russell Douglas and kind of figured it out right after you got him.
1: You did, and you you didn't. you, You had to get him from with the injury to Trey. He's also only been here a certain amount of weeks where Floyd's been doing it since week one. I mean, I don't know. It's a tough call, but I like that question because it just goes to show you those are some really good additions Brandon Bean had for this roster.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a couple questions that we already kind of answered like, where is Gabe Davis? Not a single catch in four games. Like, I don't know. I think that a lot of this one was the game script. I think that it Gabe just had a really big game against the Eagles and then kind of nothing for the last couple weeks. So I'm not going to really be like the Gabe Davis is hurting them. I I don't really know what else they were supposed to do offensively today. I mean, they scored 31 points and they just hammered it on the ground. So I'm not overly concerned about Gabe Davis production. Um, This is a good question. I don't know the answer to this though. So I'm hoping you do. Is there any way the Bills could clinch a playoff spot before the final week of the season? I don't. Is there? I don't think there is. I don't think so either. No, I don't think so because of
1: if, the tiebreakers being so far behind.
0: Yeah, if they won out and every team they needed to lost, I still think there would be enough teams in the picture because yeah. they're playing each other. So chances are somebody is going to win. So, yeah, I don't think there's a way that they clinch before week 18. Um, Let's see. Bobby, why did the team sign Puda Ford to just keep him inactive every week? I think Tim Settle just kind of well, won the job, right?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, this goes back to the same thing we hear about Leonard Floyd. Why did you sign him? Well, mm-hmm. because he's a good player and, you, and you, you're... Should you just not sign guys thinking, well, he might not, he might not be as good as somebody? I don't know. Yeah, it's a tough, it's a loaded question. Like you sign guys thinking they might help, and sometimes they don't. Yeah. You sign guys mm-hmm. for depth, and then sometimes you don't need them. I, I get the same question about Leonard Floyd every week. Well, why would they sign him? To help the running back room. If Leonard Floyd yeah. doesn't like his, I'm sorry, Leonard Floyd, Leonard Fournette. If Leonard Fournette doesn't like his situation, he can go sign with somebody else. He's a free yeah. agent. He's still in the practice squad. It's it's good. It's okay. You don't have to play him just because you signed him. So yeah. why did they sign the Puna Ford? Simple question is, I'm sure they thought he'd fit in better than he has, and other people have been better. So you don't just cut him. He's on the roster.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. Kevin asked this. In your opinions, do we have any slivers of insecurities or doubt about which Buffalo, team, Buffalo Bills teams will show up for the next two games? I find it's, it's hard question. not to what do you sh- think
1: about? What do you think about um, playing a team in L.A. that just fired their coach? Because sometimes you get a bump from that
0: yeah, I think you do get a bump for that. I think the bump is less significant because they have a backup quarterback playing. Yeah, but at the same time, like I'm not willing to chalk this team up as an easy win for any of either of their next two games at all because they have proven this year that they're not, you know, as consistent as they need to be. Now, this team looks a lot better than the team earlier in the season. So I would like to think that they are less prone to slipping up but right. <laughs> humanate, like, I don't know. I'm from Buffalo and I've seen weirder things, right? Like how weird would it be? How Buffalo would it be to beat the Cowboys like they did and then go on the road and slip up and then ruin everybody's Christmas, probably if they're a bills fan. So I, I don't think that's going to happen. they are 13 and a half point favorite for a reason, but at the same time, that's as big of a favorite as they were when they lost to the Patriots earlier in the season. So that's right. I mean, you never look, know.
1: I mean, Again, this year, Antonio Pierce, last year, Jeff Saturday. Sometimes this happens. You get a new head coach, you play for him. You're like, you're on notice now. You're like, I need to play better. Don't want it to be mm-hmm. me next. You know, those things all come into play. But again, you made the right point. They're playing Easton Stick. You can't lose the Easton Stick. Then they're playing Bailey Zappy. I think, right after that. Who knows who mm-hmm. the quarterback is these days. Maybe it's Tony Easton or, you know, mm-hmm. Steve Grogan again for New England Fall, <laughs> I know. But yeah, y- you can't lose those games and those quarterbacks. But New England's defense is still good. You could have some sort of trip up in that scenario. I like Lego Redacted on Twitter, who asks any updates on injuries coming out of the game. That's a good question because although we don't have the official injury diagnosis, Jordan Phillips uh-huh. had, had didn't return. He was looking; they were looking at his rib, he had a rib injury. He didn't uh-huh. return. Good news that Sam Martin did return. He got hit on yeah. that uh, roughing the punter. He did wind up uh-huh. returning to that game, uh, to the game. And then I think there was one other person that came out and wound up um, returning Spencer as well. Brown.
0: Oh Spencer, oh, Spencer Rung right now got was, a, um, it. was he Ty got Ty an Johnson, the game. Ty That's Johnson right. Ty Johnson as
1: well. 15. Ty Johnson left and he came back as well. So let's yeah. hope that's all it was, was at the end, Jordan Phillips, the only one who didn't come back. And then we'll see where it goes with Micah Hyde and A.J. Epinesa next
0: week. And I think the long-term one is there is still a chance we see Daquan Jones again. Yes. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if that's something that could happen in the regular season, or if that's something that would specifically happen if they make the playoffs, but that would be a, a massive, massive return for the Bills if they could get him back.
1: It would be. Now, Matt Milano's not expected to return, but it was great seeing him on the sidelines. He was at the game today on Sunday. Yeah.
0: I he mean on that's- the sidelines.
1: The first, first time that we've seen him on the sidelines, didn't have any sort of crutches or aid to walk. He was walking. He's rehabbing now. He's not expected mm-hmm. to come back. Still a, a lengthy rehab but it was great to see him walking on the sidelines.
0: Uh, this is a question from a couple different people. When do they take the interim tag off of Joe Brady? Uh, I, I don't know. At the end of the season, probably, right? Let's
1: wait. Let's wait. He's still fighting for a job. Keep him, keep him in this hungry mode, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. At this rate, he's probably going to be the offensive coordinator next year, and he has given you reason to feel confident about his position moving forward. I bet he probably gets some looks from around the league. I think because of who his quarterback is and because of the success that they've had together in this very small sample size, he would probably choose to stay in Buffalo, but they also might have their hand forced a little bit. If there's a team out there, that's like, we want to give this guy an interview. And then he has to decide, would he rather stay in Buffalo or go take a job elsewhere?
1: That's right. I mean, work with Josh Allen, obviously would would mean a lot, but Uh I mean, he's, he's, He's earned his right to be able to have those awesome things happen to him, if that's mm-hmm. the case. And we'll see. But, you know, that's a few months down the road, and, you know, we'll check in and when it happens. But in the meantime, you know, Joe Brady, I think, is doing an excellent job as the offensive coordinator to the Buffalo Bills, obviously. Um, what else can we get here? Oh, you Did are, you, you see? about the intern tag. Yes.
0: I mean, this one is from Joe. Is Diggs, the greatest wide receiver in Bills history. Um Andre Reid is the greatest wide receiver in Bills history. I'll say this, though. Stefan Diggs is probably the most talented wide receiver in Bills history, and if they ever win a Super Bowl, he'll become the most important Bills wide receiver in franchise history. I mean, I don't think that's crazy, right? Like, if they win, if they, if they ever win a Super Bowl with, like, this team, Josh Allen is the most important athlete in Buffalo sports history, and Stefan Diggs is very high on that list as well.
1: One more. Ed says, what have you noticed about Vaughn in the last couple of weeks? I won't talk about last week necessarily. <laughs> that was last week, but this game, I thought he made a little bit more of a difference, man. I do think yeah. that Vaughn was in on some plays where he was getting some pressure. I don't know if he was credited mm-hmm. with any officially, but it felt like to me, he was close and he was a part of making things happen.
0: Yeah, for sure. It feels like once they took that brace off, he was able to kind of crank it up a little bit to like the next level now the next level still does not look like what we are accustomed to seeing from last season but i do think that his game at least is trending in kind of a a positive direction where he might soon start to make a play or two
1: no one asked me this i'm just gonna Answer in any way. I'm going to ask myself, Sal, did you wear your Syracuse shirt on the show today because Kyle McCord transferred from Ohio State and signed with Syracuse and committed? Yes, that is the reason why. Because I can finally start feeling proud, maybe hopefully, about my Syracuse Orange football team again. They're getting some great recruits. And then they beat, it was a great day for me, Matt. They beat Oregon in basketball by 20 points on Sunday as the Bills were playing
0: or right before the Bills. That's that's awesome. I'm happy for you because I do not know, admittedly, anything about who's playing quarterback for Buff State next year. I wish them all the best. Let me ask you this, though. And once again, this is an ignorant, not somebody who follows college football a lot. Okay. Didn't he stink at Ohio State? (laughs) Kind of, sort of.
1: But but, but not in the manner of he stunk. He was just not to the level of what most, late lately what most Ohio State quarterbacks have been.
0: But now. He didn't stink as a college football player. Once again. Take this coming from somebody who doesn't know much. Uh Uh-huh. There's no Marvin Harrison Jr. at Syracuse.
1: That's right, because Marvin Harrison Sr. played at Syracuse, but his son does not.
0: Um the the competition won't be as high as it is at Ohio State, but like you also don't have two first round wide receivers that you're throwing to. So if he wasn't good at Ohio State, no, again, 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 he was a good player. He
1: was on he was on a team that was undefeated until the final week of the year and he was the quarterback.
0: Yeah, but like wouldn't they still be playing or like be in the playoff if he was better?
1: I I, to your point to say like, okay, (laughs) people listening go Matt's right. I would say a lot of Ohio State fans would say we're totally glad he's off our team, but he still was the starter. If he was that bad, they would have pulled him and put someone else in. They were team competing for the national title at Syracuse. He will be he will have a chance to be better because he won't play a stiff of competition. The ACC overall, and you know, is going to be. Well, the ACC wasn't that bad this year. I guess the mm-hmm. way I'm saying it is, for Syracuse, he's a step up. For Ohio State, no, no. they needed to upgrade anyway.
0: I it's cool as like a completely outside, unbiased observer to see like a school here get a big time because I realize, like, I, I'm I, not. Dumb. I realize he is yeah. a big na- Well, I am dumb, but I realize he's a big recruit. I realize he is a big get for Fran Brown. And like that's a really good thing for Syracuse football and for football fans here because I know that we've got a lot of cross. Like, I know there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast just down the 90 in Syracuse. And like, I want to see your team do well. I just the way I was seeing people talk about this from my uh, John Scott yeah. from Spectrum. He's an Ohio State fan. But again,
1: he's big he is Ohio used to, but he's used to these guys and he's used to Justin Fields and CJ Stroud and he
0: can't I, I compare know. this kid to them. I know, but like we went a couple times on the road, you know, a lot of us hang out with each other on the road and he would always like to try and watch the Ohio State games. And I would just like very casually watch them from a distance <laughs> and I would be sitting like the Notre Dame games, a good example. And I'm like, what are what are these guys doing? Like what is the yeah what what is happening in these games? Like what is the level of it it also is very clear that when you watch this is a little bit of a weird transition, but because the Bills have played so many four twenty-five games the last couple of weeks, I have gotten a chance to watch most of the one o'clock slate from the week of the Eagles game, the bye week for the Bills, last week before the Chiefs game, and this week before the game against the Cowboys. Josh Allen is so good. There's yeah. so much bad quarterback play in the NFL. So much bad quarterback play. And the things that he is able to do, I, I know he's probably not going to win the MVP, but my goodness gracious, the list of people you would start a team with if you were a GM is is what? Patrick Mahomes won. Josh. I mean, the conversation. there's probably sure. five guys in the conversation. Sure. It's probably Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, hurts Lamar, right? Yeah, probably, probably right. the five yeah. guys. Yeah. Maybe something like, like it's, that. It's still just mind-boggling He's, to me, like that the, that the Bills have that guy.
1: And he was able; they were able to win with him throwing less than 100 yards. Real quick to wrap this up. Hey, give me my moment on Syracuse. All right, you're not wrong I'm, I'm happy but I'm for I'm, I'm happy for it. I
0: just said. I said, I said I'm happy for you.
1: Number two, as long as we're doing this. Cortland football division three national champions man i know you know Very that cool. at, you know channel seven and you guys covering and you know um talk about quarterbacks, that that's so from cool here. Yeah, ken yeah, west More west which is really yeah. cool
0: so congratulations i just gotta uh, got what, what do you do when you get a text message from somebody and you don't have their number saved do you ask them i feel like it's rude to say like who is this i feel is like it, it really, is too
1: so i do that sometimes i google search the number first is it more rude? And then if it comes not, up, I'm like, "Oh, that's who it is." You don't have any past text messages from people from this person?
0: No, no. Oh. I, I got. It, I'm, I have two phones. I have a, a work phone and a personal oh. phone. You're a um, burner, yeah. I got a burner phone, yeah. So I guess <laughs> if you have just my, if you have my personal phone, it's probably I don't know better. Like I don't know. I I, I feel weird. I don't. And the, maybe the person who texted me is listening to this podcast. Yeah. And they're gonna be like, What an a- what an asshole. He doesn't even have my cell phone number. But is it more rude to ignore it or to say who is this? Um
1: I would answer the look. question or comment on whatever they sent you and then say, I'm sorry, who's this?
0: Hey, I got a new phone, even though I didn't, right? New I've phone. Used who that is? Line. I've used the hey, I got a new no, phone. I, I say, I'm times. sorry. Just to say sorry, I don't have
1: this number logged into my phone. Who is this?
0: Yeah. And then when, and then uh, when they tell you
1: profusely apologize that's all
0: yeah um so yeah that's just my little it happened while we <laughs> were right. watching this
1: we weren't even going to that off, long. we went pretty long we're off the rails did you yeah. see the
0: last question did you see the last question this is a funny yeah. one uh they said who would win in a fight sale right. with hair yes. or bouvet without hair <laughs> does does our hair have anything to do with a fight I, what does hair have to do with a fight i'm not really sure literally mike no is idea. laughing i can see mike i can see mike in the little box at the bottom of the screen laughing at the question
1: well, um, I, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Um, yeah, me too. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm 50, so I don't really want to be fighting anybody. Um, I think I'm in pretty good shape, but not as be- good a shape as I need to be. In fact, when I'll be playing flag football again soon, I got to get back into the sh- kind of shape I need to be in flag football. So there's the answer from my end, which didn't really yeah. answer
0: it it's not an answer I, I wouldn't fight you there's no situation where i would fight you there's also no situation where we,
1: we 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 would we would just love each other too much that's all not fight each other
0: we would all just right. do Let's, the italian thing back yes, and forth yes, to each other. Exactly we would just right. raise our hands and go ah god make noises
1: bills fans should love what they saw on their team today 31 to 10 over the dallas cowboys back in it baby They are right there in the playoff race in the AFC. For Mike Robbie, our producer, I'm Sal Capaccio. For Matt Bove, we'll talk to you next time, and it's always game day in Buffalo. We're going to go fight now.